0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again we're talking about the Kingdom of God. And, uh, the keys to the kingdom are really very simple. It's, it's the way of Christ. And unfortunately, most of the modern churches are not actually going the way of Christ. They're not following what Christ said to do. And, uh, they don't seem to want to hear that. That kind of shuts people off right away when you mention that because of the fact that they, they think they already know. Yet, Christ was the one who said many would think they are following me, following the Christ, and actually have been led away from the simplicity of the gospel of Christ and the way of Christ. And what would happen would be all those bad things that are prophesied in the Bible from... uh, from Joel and Amos, Micah, Hosea, Malachi, uh, and Nahum, we've done Joel, Amos, Ma- uh, Micah, Hosea, and Malachi, and gone through those and and looked at some of the things that they're talking about—the swarms of locusts, which are actually swarms of offices that eat out your substance, and uh, the you know the woman of the city, which is. The legal system of social welfare that you set up the legal charity what what is called legal charity, and it undermines the people undermines the character of the people it actually, according to historians like Polybius, it degenerates the people so that they become subject to a despot i've seen on Facebook numerous posts where people are talking about it why don't we just go back to the constitution well the reality is a lot of the things that we think are usurpations of the constitution are not actually usurpations of the constitution because of the fact of the, uh, the contract clause of the constitution and the fact that the constitution is not a biblical document and doesn't follow biblical principles because the Bible actually tells you what to put in a constitution if you want to have men who can exercise authority. And they list off five things, and of those five things, only one is in the constitution. And people don't even know what that one is or, or keep it. And so the the delusion that you can go back to the constitution or elect some leader who is going to exercise authority and fix things is exactly that, a delusion? And the delusion is a delusion because you are not willing to see the truth of the gospel. We've seen that in Amos, they mention the covenant of the the brethren. And numerous uh, people who do commentaries on the Bible talk about the covenants of the brethren and try to refer to it as the agreement between kings you know, rulers. Well, the truth is, in those five things, you're not to make any agreements with rulers. You're not to give your leaders uh, treaty power and power to make decisions, make choices for you and your family and your descendants. You're certainly not to give them the power To collect tribute from you. But through the contract clause, you have done that. We explain all this at You and at HisHolyChurch.org in great detail, showing you not only the historical process, but the process in relationship to biblical principles. And it really comes down to one simple thing. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Anything that is thy neighbor. If you do, you're in violation of the Ten Commandments and will suffer the consequences, which is the wrath of the Lord, as we'll see in Nahum when we get to Nahum, which we are not going to study today in great detail, because Nahum, uh all of these minor prophets, Joel, Amos, Micah, Hosea, Malachi, we've all seen that they're overlapping in their prophecies. Sometimes using the same wordage, uh, not always translated the same way, but they'll use the same words. Even uh, in Nahum, he uses a particular word, which words in in the Hebrew are almost like phrases in themselves because every letter has a meaning. So every letter is almost a word itself compiling uh, the words that you see in the text, and if you were to go to um, uh, like Nahum and, and we won't we won't do it in, in great detail here or anything, but uh, just going to some of the words uh, in in Nahum, we can see that uh, there are certain um, words that he uses that he adds all kinds of letters to. And we've seen that in the other studies. So you have this word that you think is, you know, a particular word in the Hebrew. And it's translated in a consistently same way in in English. And then you find out that, whoa, you know, like reserveth wrath for his enemies are not the exact same words that normally may mean enemies or Reserveth, And the word wrath is not even in the original text. The translators added that in order to flow with their theological uh, assumptions about God at the time of the King James or some of the other translations of the Bible. So they added words in, and you'll see it in many texts as a word in italics, if you see the word in italics. That means it's not in the original text. Somebody added it to make it read better. But what they also don't tell you is that, you know, like the word enemy has, I think, three additional letters. And uh, they talk about at the beginning of that the burden of Nineveh. Well, the word burden there actually means tribute. So the tribute of Nineveh. Well, why is there tribute? Because in Proverbs it tells us the slothful shall be under tribute. And so you have this, uh, these ideas that as people just read the text, may, the text may be misleading. Now, if you truly had the Holy Spirit, not the emotional spirit that is often conjured up in churches, but the true Holy Spirit, you would begin to have that yod of uh, the Hebrew text, that divine spark, beginning to show you the way his way which they also mentioned in uh, in Nahum where you know he, he rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and he talks about these things but he also talks before that that and will not all acquit the wicked the lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and in the clouds and in the dust of his feet. So right now in America and in Australia, uh, people are facing these uh, dilemmas because of a supposed pandemic. But they have no tools to fight either the pandemic or the... Uh, remedy for the pandemic that is presented by men who want to exercise authority one over the other. In other words, want to force people to have, you know, wear masks and take vaccinations and, you know, uh, untested, not properly tested medications. Even the idea of forcing people to take medications, a lot of people say, I don't want to take an unapproved vaccination. Well, fine. You keep making that argument and all they have to do is approve it. <laughs> uh, the CCD, CCD would probably approve it. So they get the bureaucracy to prove it, the bureaucracy being those swarms of offices that are eating out your substance and now you no longer have an excuse because it is approved. Did they do animal trials? Did they... Examine those animals for more than six months uh because that that's not good animal trials if you terminate the tests early, if you do what they call sacrifice the animals early because you don't know the long-range effects. Uh, are these animals all going to die of cancer 30% before their normal lifespan would have taken them? Uh, you Uh You have to carry the the uh animal trials out all the way to really uh, have an approval, which is why uh developing a vaccine normally takes uh five years or more, and uh you look at the the number of repercussions coming from that you anyway, know and people say well yeah, but the benefit outweighs the uh outweighs the 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 detrimental effect of some rare cases of uh, uh, vaccine toxicity. Well, that's not true. That's just made up. Anybody who looks at the statistics knows, but you have to actually look at the statistics. If you're just going to look at the news, you're going to go along with the agenda of the news. But if you actually look at the statistics, you're going to say, Whoa, there's serious stuff going on here. So anyway, when we covered, uh, and we'll take a look at it a little bit, just briefly. Because we want to get into some other things that I put together for this show. And I think it's really important that we look at these things. But uh, if they don't relate to our life today and what's going on in the world today... And what's going to go on in the world tomorrow? I mean, not, not 20 years from now, not some hypothetical time in the future, but tomorrow it's going to go on. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and is it going to get worse and worse and worse and worse? So, what, what, how does the gospel and the solution, the salvation of the gospel, relate to the challenges of today. That's what we want to know. Well, In order to know that, we have to know where we may have gone wrong, where we may have steered the ship of state or the ship of society in the wrong direction. And then we have to be willing to see that and repent of whatever it is that allowed us to go in that wrong direction. Now, anybody who reads the Bible knows that that it talks about government hundreds and hundreds of times. Good governments, bad governments, and it only talks about religion. You can count them five times. But then what is religion? Religion, what you think about God? Well, religion would involve what you think about God. Probably everything involves what you think about God. And who God is and what God is and how God functions in, in our lives and in the world. But religion is really how you take care of the needy of society. It is the social welfare system of Israel. The, the altars. We've gone over this. The altars of uh, blood and smoke that uh, we read about of stones put together that are unhewn these are all metaphors and it's the, the story of the altars is an allegory there were altars but those altars were made living altars they were people same word for a gathering of stones is a gathering of friends and when you gave your offering to those friends what did they do with it burn it up well it was burned up to you but they had those offerings and they had control of those offerings and they could rightly distribute those offerings amongst the needy of society and so the Levites were the social welfare system the Levites were the temple of ancient Israel they had no stone temple they needed no stone temple they did have a gathering house that we call the tabernacle and it was constructed in some way but the way in which it was constructed was again a metaphor and an allegory about the principles of a free society the bands that connect a free society are based on faith hope and charity but the bands of a despot is based on covetous practices which are you know in violation of the covenant of the brethren you know the the binding of the brethren of society because you're not taking care of one another out of love, but you're using force. And John the Baptist was against that. Jesus was against that. The apostles were all against that. Paul was against that, using force and covetous practices to take care of the needy of society. Pure religion was taking care of the needy of society without using the force and power of these constitutional orders and systems of government. But people have gone that way. They've gone that way by the thousands. And they started going that way a long time ago in Europe, all the way back a thousand years ago, you know, with taxes that they were going to put upon the people to provide the social welfare of society. And of course at that time the the social welfare of society was taken care of by what is known as the church and the, your local community you gave to the church, and the church had a carbonos box you know that they uh, put those funds in and were able to help and feed the needy of society and and that's that's the way. Society took care of itself. But somebody got the idea, well, we're going to tax people, force the contributions of the people, and then we'll give a portion of that to the church to take care of the needy of society. And people rejected that idea, fought against that idea. But people were, other people had already taken oaths of fealty and they were under the king and they said, well, we have to do that. And he says, well, what, what if I were to take my wealth strip myself of my wealth and I would fund these welfare projects these, you know, build a hospital, build a library, build a school what if we were to do that ourselves and the woman I'm thinking of uh, who is, who, whose picture is on the cover of the Free Church Report who is considered a saint by many people although you wouldn't know it from the press she gets and the paintings of her <laughs> that are all over the world, uh, her husband agreed to match her funds with his own wealth. This was her second husband and her first husband had died and left her one of the richest women in Great Britain. I mean, she, she owned so much land and property because she had inherited it from her husband who had passed away that... Uh, She's mentioned in what is called the Doomsday Book. Which is called the Doomsday Book because when Harold died at Runnymede, the one Harold, the one particular Harold that we are told was the rightful king of England at that time, died at Runnymede. I think he had an arrow in his eye that he already didn't see. And uh, Norman... Uh, William the Conqueror of Normandy the Norman king became the king of England and he started the Doomsday Book all those people who fought against him had to take an oath of fealty and now they only had a legal title they could have their land back but they would only have a legal title to their land so uh That was all taking place a thousand years ago. And there is a significance to that taking place a thousand years ago. But your kids aren't learning history in your public schools, in your socialist schools that are paid for and funded by men who exercise authority one over the other, by men who force your neighbor to contribute to the free education you want. And are willing to get even through the covetous practices of forced contributions. Because public school used to be funded by free will offerings. When America was free. When America was great. Which is not the case anymore. And this habit. This appetite for benefits. At the expense of others. And the habit of receiving them by the rule of force has degenerated society and weakened the poor, which was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. That, behold, this is what Ezekiel says, behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride. (laughs) That's why they call it gay pride, I guess. And sodomy and all those things. But those are a product. Those are a byproduct of the covetous practices of desiring benefits at the expense of your neighbor. Because he says this, thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, an abundance of idleness. Is that what we have? An abundance of idleness? People on welfare, people living in tents but getting a welfare check. I I remember discovering that A particular charitable organization in our local organ was supposedly helping the homeless using biblical words in the title of their organization so that you would think that they were doing charity. But in fact, they were supplying addresses to homeless people so they could get their government check and then stand on the corner and say... Need help stranded. And the, the the poor were so well organized that they actually would sit and read books or look at, play on their iPhones until a certain time. I'd see them looking at their watch, looking at their watch. And then when they got to a certain time, they got up and went and took the place at that corner, begging for food and money out the uh uh, you know, to people that are driving by. It was a system. And it was idle. Idleness. And you encourage it when you don't do what Christ said. And what Christ said was to come together in tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of all the social welfare of your society through charity. Through charity alone. This... uh Abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. This is what we see. This is an indictment of Israel because it failed to abide by Leviticus 25.35. Now Sodom and Gomorrah that we are reading about were long before Leviticus was written. But this same habit of going back and trying to take care of the needy through force through those covetous practices has been around since Nimrod. Since Cain. So this indictment of of this that we see in Leviticus twenty five thirty five, uh we will fall. We will wax and pour. And that's what we see the process going on. And we will Look at that closer and closer and closer until people wake up or until it is too late and the doors are shut. Be right back to keys of the kingdom. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So what does it say in Leviticus twenty five thirty five? Did you all look it up during the break? <laughs> so well I'll tell you what it said. And if thy brother be waxen poor and fallen in decay. With thee, Then thou with thee, then thou shalt relieve him. Yea, though he be a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with thee. This is one of the amazing things that Israel, we have this picture of Israel moving into areas, conquering everybody, killing everybody. But uh, that's not actually what was taking place. And historically, we can tell that from... Uh, archaeological uh, digs. But lots of words in the Bible have been slightly twisted by translators. Now, if you have the Holy Spirit, you should be able to figure this out. But uh, uh, the, this strong delusion that has come upon us, the whole world would be deceived, even the very elect, because it is such a strong delusion. But what are they talking about? And how do we do that? How do we help them? Well it goes on in verse thirty six to say take take thou no no usury of him or increase by fear thy but fear thy God that thy brother may live with thee in other words you know, you don't want to put your brothers into bondage. Uh, the bondage of usury, where you have to pay off all this interest on the loans that you 've taken in order to survive, and of course that 's the bondage of egypt isn 't it that 's what you know the Pharaoh put up all these stocks of food and provisions and everything and and then they came when there was a famine, and he said that he would give them stuff and well, he actually began by selling them grain. But eventually the gold ran out and the silver ran out and they had no way of buying it until they promised their labor or at least a portion of their labor 20% of their labor to the government of Pharaoh. And even the people who lived in Egypt had to do this. That's what the Bible says. They, they had to promise to pay 20% of their labor to the government who was providing social welfare in its time of need. Even when Mubarak was president uh, not too many years ago, income tax in Egypt was 20%. One-fifth of your labor belonged to the government and it had to go to the government. If you made a million dollars, one-fifth. If you made uh, $1,000 or $10,000, I'm not sure there probably was a provision where you were extremely poor, you didn't owe anything. But... Basically, it was one-fifth still, all the way across the board. I don't think it's that way now, but it was that way. And most of the time, what people don't realize is that income tax does not provide you with the benefits of government. It pays the interest on the loan taken out by government at usury to provide those benefits. You know, all the benefits that the government is providing, these millions and millions and trillions and trillions of dollars that the government is providing to the world, all around the world, is provided by borrowing money against the needy of society's labor and the rich of society's labor and everybody of society's labor. They borrow against it, and they're able to do that because you have made covenants with them that the government will take care of you in the time of need, in your old age or in disability or whatever. The government will provide you with a check, and it is able to do that because it borrows money against the future. It doesn't... Social Security has always been funded by borrowed money. It's never been solvent. And and if anybody wants to argue that, we have it all down in black and white so we can show you that it's never, ever, 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 ever been solvent. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> it has always been in debt, Social Security, welfare. It's all based on borrowed money. All those stimulus checks were based on borrowed money. It wasn't coming out of the Treasury. It wasn't coming out of the Social Security fund. There is no fund. That's the law. It's been ruled over and over again. If you you think I'm wrong, it's because you're listening to the media and politicians and not actually listening to facts. So anyway, it goes on, you know, take thou no usury of him or increase, but fear thy God, that thy brother may live with thee. Thou shalt. That's, this is the covenant of the brethren that we've talked about. Thou shalt not give him thy money upon usury, nor lend him thy victuals, the benefits, for an increase. Thou shalt not give him thy money upon usury. Write that down. But yet all these governments, Australia, everybody, are operating on usury. They're borrowing money to provide the benefits of the people. And the the interest is paid by covetous practice of forcing your neighbor to contribute. And if thy bro, brother that dwell by thee waxen and poor and be sold unto thee, which is, you know, a portion of his labor is sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bondservant. But everybody is bondservants. But as a hired servant and a sojourner, he shall be with thee, and thou shalt serve thee unto the year of jubilee. Jubilee? What's that? Every 50 years you cancel all debt and set everybody free. They're not doing that anymore, and there's really no evidence that they ever did that. Uh, At least in the biblical text, they talk about a year of jubilee, but we don't find it recorded that such a year actually took place. Now nah, it may have, but that that's a principle in a Israel originally was a republic, it was actually a republic uh like Tacitus says is impossible uh it was a libera res public republic where the people were free from things public all the money that supported the government were free will donations, except everybody. The head of every household owed a half dime in silver. They That was their ante up each year, but everything else was free will. You gave to the ministers of your government according to their service. And, and people talk about tithing as if it's 10%. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about that, that. They were sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, so whatever share you gave was the 10th, Share to your minister, who was the stones of the altar of your society, because it was not a city state. Israel was not a city state. It wasn't a civil society like Cain and Nimrod set up and Lamech. It was a free society. You, you can tell a free society because the government is supported by free will offerings, and and you mention that to people and. And they say, well, that's impossible. They won't give. Well, what they'll do is starve. (laughs) Because those those lazy, iniquitous people, uh, nobody's going to help. They're not going to help themselves. They don't help each other. Now, if you find any deserving amongst them that need help, you get to choose to help them, those, those brethren sojourning amongst you. That may be strangers, foreigners to your system of social welfare, but you help them anyway because you see a nobility. You're you're strengthening the nobility in them. But just to help them, just to throw money at the poor, you don't strengthen them, you weaken them. You know what would happen if you did that? When work was available, they wouldn't go back to work. They have no interest in going back to work. I got money coming in anyway. Why do I need to go back to work? And of course, that's what's happening in America. But this didn't just happen with COVID. This didn't start with COVID. It's been going on for a long time. See, if you go way back to verse 28, it says, But if ye be not able to restore it to him, then that which is sold shall remain in the hands of him that hath bought it, Until the year of Jubilee. And in the Jubilee it shall go out. And he shall return unto his possessions. This is what Christ was doing. Christ was coming to return every man to his family. And every man to his possessions. Now when I say that. Quoting that phrase. Every man to his family and every man to his possessions. When did the people return to their family or to their tents? And when did the people return to their cities in the Bible? Because these words cities, and which is, is the same word for terror, and the word for family, which is the only institution of God for thousands and thousands of years. He eventually, through Moses, instituted the Levites, which were... To take care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity. That was the role of the Levites. To serve the tabernacles, the tents of the congregation. That's what they were to do. And they were to form a living altar of charity to take care of those needy people. And so the, these people in charge of charity and compassion were also in charge of the the appeals courts, the cities of refuge throughout A society bound together by faith, hope, and charity. The free will offerings of Israel. When it was a pure republic. But then it decided it wanted to have a king. And it strayed from the formula. And it began to form uh, stone temples and central treasuries. And force the offerings of the people like Saul did. Which was considered foolish by Samuel. But we had our warnings way back there in 1 Samuel 8 where if you want to have somebody to exercise authority and make things right and get rid of the corruption and drain the swamp, he's going to end up taking and taking and taking and taking. You know, the other day, uh, Trump was asked about these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports and the the blowback where people don't want to take the vaccine And supposedly it's because we all fear there's a chip in it. And there is sometimes certain qualities to what is... But it isn't the chip. You know, not really a chip like we think of. I mean, there is a chip that you can inject in people, but that's not what's going on here. But when he was asked that question directly, he did not answer that question. He just went on about how he had... It got this vaccine made in such short time. He put pressure on them to make it so quick. Of course, he was set up, uh, or maybe he was in on it. I don't know. It doesn't really matter because I know Trump is not my salvation. Christ is. But the problem is, so many Christians think they're following Christ and they're not even doing the basic things that Christ said to do. And so now you see it, in, and now people are... I see people resisting all the time. I know more people now that have died from the vaccine, and most of the people I know don't take it. But, you know, I have have, my children have people uh, that work for them, and uh, and they see the, the, you know, people getting extremely ill. And, of course, you know, I have a son who's looking at the data and how it's flowing in. See, before when they were counting COVID patients, Anybody who tested positive with a PCR test, we know now that some of the laboratories were using way over 30 cycles in the PCR test, which is not going to identify a particular virus anyway. But if you go over 27 cycles, you can prove somebody is sick. And I just read a study, and I've talked about it to a number of people. I I downloaded I have a copy of the PDF. The media was quoting it, so I wanted to go look at the study and see what it said. And the testing in the study, if you've had the vaccination, they only run 27 cycles. If you have not had the vaccination, they run 37 cycles. If you run 37 cycles, you're all sick. It's going to show up that you're sick. And so there, now that allows them to produce the data that says that Most of the people who are getting sick, which they're not necessarily getting sick, they're just testing positive, are the unvaccinated. And they throw that data out. It's not a peer-reviewed paper. But it doesn't matter. They They don't mention that in the news. They're just saying most of the people that are getting sick are getting sick from the coronavirus or are the unvaccinated. Based on what? What study? Do you look that up? Does CNN look that up? No, does Fox look that up? I don't see him looking it up. They're not reading the studies or they're they're not relating because as we went through the prophets and we were saying the mountains of Samaria are fallen. The mountains of the truth. Samara means truth. And the mountains mean those who are responsible for sharing the truth with you have fallen, degenerated. And you don't have any source of truth. We give you the truth. You know, we don't have people debating us. We have people complaining about what we say. You know, if we go down to that verse thirty eight in Leviticus thirty five uh twenty five. I am the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan is the land of the merchants. That's actually what the land of Canaan means. Uh, But the land of Egypt is the land of bondage. And they wanted to give you the home of the free and the brave. And, And you do this by if thy brother that dwelleth by thee Be waxed and poor and be sold unto thee. Thou shalt not compel him to serve. You all do that. You want your free schools, your free education, your free health care, your free welfare. You've turned your neighbor into your servant because you compel them to pay for what you want. You make them a servant. Or they have to labor 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, 50% of their life to pay for what you want. And they actually aren't even paying for what you want. They're simply paying the interest on the loan that your government has taken out for you because you gave your government the power to choose for you. I didn't give the government the power to choose for you you gave the government the power to choose for you you went back to Egypt and the bondage of Egypt and now you're suffering the consequences of that and you're complaining but it's built in in this cause and effect universe it's built in you can't, can't make it go away so, uh, and if thy brother are waxing, you know, poor, you're supposed to help take care of them. To free will offerings, not forced offerings. When the people turn to legal charity, and we talked about that, legal charity is that system of charity, which is not really charity, but it's, you're bound to pay, you're forced to pay. It is, it is the socialism of the world. And you're forced to pay by men who exercise authority. Like Cain, like Nimrod, like FDR, like LBJ, not the free will offerings of Christ and the fervent charity of his way. And this is why, you know, we see reference to in Amos to the woman of the city. The woman of the city is the caregiver of the city. And the caregiver of the city at that time was men who exercised authority and forced the offerings of the people. Like it is at your time. You know, Thomas Jefferson once said that the two enemies of the people are criminals and government. So let us tie the second down with the chains of the Constitution so the second will not become the legalized version of the first. But you unleashed them with the contract clause. You made covenants with them so that you could get benefits at the expense of your neighbor through the forced offerings that the government was able to take from those other people who signed up. Australia did it. You know, We talked before about the history of socialism in America and the history of Social Security in America. Well, before America was setting up a Social Security system, Australia was already doing that. And we, we've already gone through that, so we won't go through the details of that. But right now we're seeing Australia as a canary in the coal mine. And it's literally under attack by an insidious enemy. And and if you haven't seen it in the news, you're probably watching the wrong news program. I'm in contact with people in Australia who give me firsthand reports. As a matter of fact, I have a scheduled call this afternoon with somebody from Australia who's trying to deal with these same issues. And, uh, you know, it was set up by the minister of the group Down under. And uh, who is, actually we have people in South Africa facing the same dilemmas that we see here. But see, in Australia, they can't cross over from state to state. They can't cross the state boundary without having proof that they've been vaccinated by this presently unapproved vaccination and uh, and people you know like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger says you know F your liberty and I won't say the word that he said but uh, he says just get the shot he's an idiot <laughs> he's an actor he's paid to lie <laughs> that's what actors do they're paid to lie so that you actually believe that they're telling the truth, which is why they make such good politicians. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but uh, the, they are, they've already implemented that. Friday was the last day, but they were actually implementing it even before Friday. And Biden came out last week and said, we need to do that in America. Well, it never happened in America. They'll have a revolution on their hands. Well, not from you guys, because you are the most unorganized bunch of scattered flock sheep that I've ever seen in the history of America. Because you've dissolved the bands which connects a free society and replaced them with the bands that connect a society in the bondage of Egypt. I saw last night on Facebook a local groups talking about trying you know, the blowback because of the mandates that have come down from this person called Kate Brown who lives in Salem and they're saying the commissioners and the congressmen should go down there and fix this. No. Oh, you fix it. You're doing it again. You're picking your soul's. To go and fight your battles for you. My son posted on Facebook this morning. I I wish I had a way of quickly recording it into the show. But uh, it's from Braveheart. Where he gives a speech to all the noblemen of Scotland. Where he, he says, you think your position, you know, that the people are here to provide you with a position. When in truth, the uh, your position is here to provide the people with freedom. And what was the problem? They wanted the benefits. And lo and behold, this morning, uh, I see guys uh, arguing that uh, you're, are you suggesting that we shouldn't take the millions of dollars that the state is offering us to fix our water supply in, in Lakeview? I don't understand what you're suggesting. Well, Freedom requires responsibility, and that's what he's suggesting, that you have to become responsible. Now, yeah, the money that they're trickling back to you probably went to them in taxes at one time, but Oregon's not solvent. It's in debt. It's operating by usury. The United States is operating by usury. Australia is operating by usury they're telling you everybody stay in your houses and let's increase the usury. Let's increase the interest rates. And and we'll borrow and give you money to guarantee that you're brought back into bondage. And that's where we're at today. We're brought back into bondage. And what are you going to do about it? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do about it. when we come back to Keys to the Kingdom... And then you have to become a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Because unless you become a doer, you're not there. God bless. We'll be right back. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, I just mentioned that uh, Biden had uh, made a statement. You know, whether or not he'll go through it with it, I don't know. But uh, if you told me that the people of America and the people of the world would be shutting down and wearing masks and taking an untested vaccination that has proven to have any effectiveness. I mean, they when they said they had 95% effectiveness, what they were saying, they, they, nobody's testing effectiveness. There's no way to test effectiveness on a human being legally. Because that would mean that you would have to give them the shot and then expose them to the contagion. Infect them and see if they got sick. That's illegal to do in every country. It's like Nuremberg stuff. That's why you have animal trials. And that's why mRNA vaccines, whenever they had animal trials, have always failed when it came to that because they produce an ADE reaction pathogenic priming where what happens when you're exposed again is you not you don't have immunity you actually get sicker besides all the other health consequences that occur with it but Biden wants to criminalize crossing the state lines you, you hear that and you think that's insane he'll never be able to do that they've done it in Australia the police said I have personal testimony of people in Australia who were turned back trying to make a living driving truck crossing the border from one state to another something he does on a daily basis he was not allowed he was turned back by the police backed up by the military standing behind him and it wasn't even enforced yet but the cop just chose to enforce it that day (laughs) so he's out of a job he can't make a living And he may end up living in a tent out in the wilderness somewhere or actually on a ranch somewhere because he has friends. But, uh, you know, when I first started this ministry decades and decades and decades ago, when I saw the road that we were going down, which which is why I'm trying to say this, this didn't start. With the pandemic. The problem started long before the supposed pandemic. You were already ripe for despotism. Because you had abandoned. All you fake Christians out there had abandoned the way of Christ. Now, it's a strong delusion. Many people have been misleading you. But now when I'm telling you the truth about these vipers... You, on an individual basis, must repent. Many of you will be cast out of your churches if you start speaking the truth. I'm not telling you to leave them. I'm just telling you to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Biden's not doing that. The leaders of Australia aren't doing that. But the people of Australia have not been doing that. People of New York, they're all woke, right? They're all, you know, for critical race theory and, you know, uh, apologize to the black people for racism and and slavery because they think all the problems of the black community are from slavery. And we've shown that's not the case, that it's from that FDR, LBJ welfare system that follows after the ways of Cain and Nimrod. But uh, an amazing statistic that I I received uh, in my email from somebody I won't mention names or anything, but it's a black man in New York. He says 28% of the blacks between the ages of 18 and 44 in New York have not taken the vaccination. So this is 18 and 44. Well, you're not even supposed to give it to people much younger than 18. They've not taken the vaccine. And so when a a vaccine passport will be required for you, which is already taking place, to go into a restaurant, to go into a theater, to go to a concert, to go to gather in any crowded place whatsoever, 72% of the blacks will be denied that service. Will that include buses? Will they be allowed to at least ride in the back of the bus? Or will they not even be allowed on the bus? This is the progression of progressive socialism. This is what will be... You're not getting your rights back by taking away the rights of your neighbor to make his own choices. And this is what happens when you move from a society... That has a welfare system based on true charity in a society based on a system of legal charity. Which is not charity. It's an oxymoron to say, uh, legal charity. Because if it's forced, it's not charity. Now we got people like the University of Connecticut are imposing fines. Uh, to people who are unvaccinated, they actually block them from the internet access to their to their online schools if they're not vaccinated. Why is, is that science? If they're unvaccinated, they're not going to get somebody sick <laughs> over the internet. It's not the way it works. But this uh, Quinnipiac. University in Connecticut is imposing $2,275 and loss of internet access if they fail to comply with the university's university's COVID-19 vaccination policy. And, of course, you know, you've already probably got a student loan now for $20,000, $40,000, $50,000. And now, all of a sudden, they're denying you access because you didn't go get a vaccination. And so, how safe is the vaccination? I just got a notice on my Facebook page that uh, they're saying that this vaccination is safe. Well, this has been a problem for a long time. Are vaccinations safe? Well, the United States Congress created something called the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. And uh, the people who fill out all the forms, say who they are and fill out the forms and say who the patient is and and what the symptoms were and what's the history of the reaction that they believe is connected to the vaccine, uh, report it to vares And you can go to openvares.com And openvares is a private organization that takes the vares data and puts it so that it's easily readable. And they come up with statistics of 17,791 uh, deaths that they believe are directly resulting from the vaccine. I mean, you're taking a completely healthy person, young person, athletic person. They get the vaccine they start feeling ill that evening. They have a fever. They wake up and they can't hardly move their arms and their legs or, or they're getting blood clots or they're getting numbness and they go to the hospital. The very next day, within 24 hours, they're in the hospital. Over 51,000 hospitalizations have been reported to bears already directly after the vaccination. And then they die. By the third day. Now, we actually have people like the CDC coming out and saying, well, there's no evidence that this was caused by the vaccination. Really? <laughs> they perfectly healthy get the vaccination and begin to develop symptoms by the thousands. Identical systems Symptoms go into the hospital and die within three days or maybe, sometimes it takes a week. But within a week of getting a shot, the process is going on. The the miscarriages, heart attacks, almost 6,000 heart attacks have been reported. Uh, 16,000 people have been permanently disabled. Myocarditis, uh, which is, you know, mild heart symptoms. I mean, I say mild. I mean, they may not be able to play sports again. We're talking almost 5,000. The same with Bell's palsy. Anaphylactic shock uh, has occurred immediately within minutes to over 5,000 people. 95,000 people had to go to the doctor because their symptoms afterwards were so bad. Seventy thousand people went into urgent care. They 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 were so sickened by it that they had to go in. Now again, these are reports to bears. These are only reports to bears. Twenty-four thousand had severe allergic reactions, reports to bears. Thirteen thousand had life threatening issues. Blood clots, thousands and thousands of people, blood clots. But this is what's reported to bears, And based on a 2011 uh, report by Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare Incorporated for the U.S. Department of Health, they they provided this report for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. Fewer than 1% of all vaccine adverse events are ever even reported. 1%. You know what that would mean if, if that was true with the death. Now, I will admit the death reports are higher than 1%, but on average, only about 1% of these things. 51,000 hospitalizations, if, if that's only 1%, Then we're talking, what, 510? (laughs) Thousand? No, 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 no. Five million hospitalizations is, if if 51,000 is 1%, we're talking as many as five million hospitalizations from the vaccine. That's what, uh, you know, I, I don't think it is actually that high. Because the hospitalization is more likely to get reported than an office visit, which is at 95000 So, and this is what I am hearing from people, employers, the people who got the vaccine, that they're the sickest people in their offices. When the flu comes around, they get it worse than anybody else. But the media would have you believe it's the other way around, but word of mouth from people that I actually know and actually know the people that are getting sick, they see the reverse. What's going on? You know, when they, when people were shot with a gun and died, but tested positive for COVID at whatever cycles they used, that was a COVID death. But now people die within you know, 24 hours or 48 hours after getting the shot, but there's no relation. No, no, no. The doctors are in denial. No, no, it couldn't be the vaccine because the vaccine is safe. So saith the Lord, God, CDC. So why are we talking about all this? You know, this 95% effective, which is not actually effective. It's actually 95% causes a medical reaction in the body. And they call that effective because there was an effect. They have no way of knowing if it reduces. And now you're hearing bits and pieces of that, depending on what media you're listening to, that you still have to wear a mask because you still can get sick. You can still get the disease. It's crazy. It's insane. But what's the end game in all this? Now that the same people that said it was 95% effective have now dropped it down to 39% effective, and they still can't test effectiveness. You have to remember that this virus has a 97% recovery rate amongst the people that actually begin to show symptoms. And yet we know that maybe as many as 50% of the people who get it and become immune never show symptoms. That. Possibly 20 to 30 to 40 percent of the people were immune before it even arrived because of previous coronaviruses. So we're following this hysterical thing, but again, it didn't all start with COVID and this so called pandemic. It started when you started coveting your neighbor's goods. Their goods, and you started those covetous practices that are forbidden in the Ten Commandments. The person who said on Facebook, you know, it's a local person, said that we need to return to the Constitution instead of all these rules and mandates. And somebody, the only comment I saw was, yeah, and the Ten Commandments. And people think they're following the Ten Commandments, yet they're asking for benefits at the expense of their neighbor. Is that really a good idea? Is that really what we should be doing? You know, I quoted in our study of Amos because of the the reference to legal charity, which is the woman of the city was playing the harlot because you weren't taking care of the needy through faith, hope, and charity. You were taking care of the two-forced offerings. You know, the woman of the city is to take care of you out of love and you are to support the woman of the not the woman but the caregiver of society should take care of you out of love and you should support that caregiver of society through free will offerings whoever you see doing the most work you should do the most to support them you should already be sitting down in the tens hundreds and thousands and sharing at least ten percent of whatever it is you produce through your local minister that you have chosen for yourself. You have licensed to be your minister. And we show you how to do this at preparingyou.com and at hisholychurch.org. We show you how Christ was doing how the early church was doing it. And now I'm telling you why. Because if you don't do that, you will go into despotism. Historian of historians, Polybius, told you that 150 years before John the Baptist and Jesus Christ told you that. Alexis Tocqueville told you that 100 years ago and more. When he said, uh, well, almost 100 years ago, when individual almsgiving established valuable ties between the rich and the poor, we were on the road to freedom and liberty. America was great. But then he went on to say, the deed itself involves the giver in the fate of the one whose poverty he has undertaken to alleviate. Like Leviticus twenty five thirty five tells us. Like Christ told us. Like John the Baptist. If your neighbor has no coat and you have two, share. Do the same in meat. He doesn't say hire the government to force everybody to give their extra coat to the poor that they hope to give to. And then the poor automatically gets a coat because he has achieved the virtuous state of equality of the poor. He has become an oppressed minority. All you poor oppressed blacks in New York. Well, now you're going to find out what real oppression is. And I don't really think they all think that way. But they would have you think that they all think that way. I think many of them are hardworking, industrious people. But they may have found that this vaccine is questionable and chose not to take it. And good for them. But now they're not going to only have to ride in the back of the bus. They may not even be allowed on the bus. Because... Those they have chosen to have a government they have allowed a government to give you everything you want free school, free health care free welfare free, free free free, 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 free that ain't so free. Uh, Alexis goes on to say the latter supported by aid, which he had no right to demand, and which he had no hope of getting feels inspired by gratitude. A moral tie is established between those two classes whose interests and passions so often conspire to separate them from each other. And although divided by circumstances, they are willing to reconcile. What I really would like to read to you is what Alexis, I think it was Alexis Tocqueville talking about the despots of the world who, uh, you know, want to keep you from loving one another. That's, they don't care whether you love them. They don't care if you oppose them. If you shake your fist on Facebook against them, they don't care. What makes them frightened is that you will actually start loving one another. You start coming together and creating the bonds which connect a free society, which is love and charity and faith in the way of Christ, and which is love and charity. Same word that we see translated love when Jesus says it is the same word that we see translated charity when Paul says it. Because if you don't have charity, you're not going to have freedom and liberty. That's just the way it is. And you need to repent. So, you want the solution to all these mandates? Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like we show you at preparingyou.com and on our network and then form a living network of faith, hope, and charity and start caring about one another as much as you care about yourself, which is why it's so important that I, you know, when I share to people, you know, Mark 6 or Jesus commands that his disciples make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. What is he doing? Why Why is he saying that? Because that's the only way to do it. You know, we see in Luke 9.13. But he said unto them, give ye them to eat. And they said, we have no more. But five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all this people. Now, there's 5,000 men in their families. When he says all this people, do you think he's talking about all 5,000 people? Is that really what the Greek text is intimating? Because that's what it says in the next line for there were five thousand men and he said to his disciples make them sit down in fifties and in companies and he actually says that twice in the sense but they don't translate all the times that he says it especially in Mark I'm in Luke right now but he's organizing the people the way Israel was always organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And not just Israel, Teutons, uh, the Romans early on did the same thing. Their military was organized in that way because originally their military was a militia of the people. It wasn't until just before Julius Caesar that they altered the way and they started depending upon a government military rather than a militia. See, in the original militia of Rome, you brought your own sword, you brought your own spear, you brought your own shield. (laughs) Uh, And uh, much of the supplies that you had on the front lines were provided through this network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. It's the way Israel fought its wars. Until they elected Saul to be their commander-in-chief which was a mistake, a rejection of God, but they chose to do it anyway. Do you have a commander-in-chief? Then you've done the same thing that the people did. They've rejected God. Is your commander-in-chief now taking and taking and taking and taking? Well, then you've done exactly what they were talking about in 1 Samuel 8. And the exact same results will take place because God created a cause-and-effect universe. Eventually, you're going to cry out, and that's what we hear a lot of people doing, crying out. Because they didn't realize that a government that can give you everything you want can also take away everything you have, which, again, Thomas Jefferson said. <laughs> but your kids don't study Thomas Jefferson because he was a racist. But De DeFazio, I think it's no, not DeFazio. Whatever the guy in New York is, DeFazio—that's the—that's the scoundrel in in Oregon, I think. But uh, anyway, it doesn't really matter the The fact is the scoundrel is by a, a scoundrel by any other name but uh, he's going to make he's not even going to let the blacks ride in the back of the bus with his mandate unless they get injected it's insane for a virus that kills almost nobody because if they come up with the 99.7% survival rate based on people who actually get sick and show symptoms then the actual death rate because we know a lot of people never show those symptoms they never get sick where we can see the symptoms but they get exposed and they develop the immunity because they're halfway there already those people aren't counted in that statistic so the actual death rate is probably closer to one-tenth of one percent. Well, you put any hundred people together on any given day, you know, on average across the board, some of those people are 100 years old, some of those people are 99 years old, some of those people are 98 years old, and some of them are going to die. Not because of COVID, but because of the fact that they're already old and infirm. And if you just sneezed a cold on them, they would die. Because they're vulnerable. And it's life. You know, I'm not making light of it. It's just life. So, what did happen at the loaves and fishes? Did loaves and fishes appear out of nowhere? Or did a greater miracle occur? People began to share. If that was tabernacles, all those people, by the understanding the Old Testament, which was their Bible at the time, they would have brought enough food for their family and to share with other families to that event. There was no shortage of bread, there was a shortage of sharing. And they had forgotten the ministers, the Levites. And it says at Tabernacles you should not do that. We'll be right back. So welcome back to the Keys of the Kingdom. So this whole dilemma that we see here, the dilemma that corrodes society, which is actually talked about in a number of different places. Uh, there's an actual article out that uh, by Ron uh, Klutz where he talks about the dilemma which corrodes society. And it has to do with all this equality and equity thing. You know, if you look at this, the characteristics of equality of opportunity and equality of outcome. This is the debate between these two things. That freedom as a characteristic creates freedom when we have this equality of opportunity. When everybody has the same equal opportunity to go out and seek you know life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and uh, but the equality of outcome restricts freedom by placing uh people in a position where they have to contribute a share of what they produced for those people who did not produce the same amount and uh like competition uh equality of opportunity allows for open competition when, when public schools are provided by forced contributions and guaranteed wages, whether the kids learn or not, it's not going to produce the same outcome. Because it, it's the equality of, uh, if we go over and put this under the, the equality of, uh, outcome, that restricts competition which we see in public schools you're you're going to end up with a outcome of kids not learning which is what we talked about last week how you know this Kate Brown lady says that you don't have to learn to read write or do math and you can still graduate from our schools so there's that's you know, you're going to graduate whether you do your homework or not. You're going to graduate whether you learn reading, writing, and arithmetic or not. That's The outcome is guaranteed. You're all going to graduate. But the quality of opportunity means you have the opportunity to learn to read, write. And you will have teachers that produce... In a school that is not run by the public system of force contributions that will rise to the occasion and help the kids learn. And of course, what you need to do is go back to homeschooling and homeschooling associations where you work together to educate your children yourself. You take back that responsibility. And literally the homeschooling associations can be a form of public education. You could even buy a building. And the kids meet there, uh, you know, you could have 500 kids meet there. And you say, well, that's a big building, 500 kids. Well, they don't have to meet every day. So some kids meet on Monday, and some kids meet on Tuesday, and some kids meet on Wednesday. So you only really need a building big enough for 100 kids, and 500 kids can use it. That makes the building way cheaper. And the interaction of these kids will produce even greater benefits. And it will begin to create those bonds of a free society. Because you're doing it, you're investing in the school. India does this. India has a public education and the teachers teach them nothing. And even amongst the poorest of the poor, they get together... And they hire their own teachers. And they will put in like a dollar so their kids can go to this public-private school. And the kids who go to the public-private school uh, learn more than the people who go to the public school. The public school is supported by taxation because the public school is supported by taxation... I mean you talk about canaries in the coal mine you can see that they they don't learn the teachers don't teach the teachers are lazy corrupt they they the inspectors that come and see if they're teaching are paid off by a portion of their wages graft and corruption is everywhere and and the people that are honest and hard working and seeing their kids not learning a thing They've gotten together and they form these private school associations and they have to pay money in. They don't get any support from the state at all. And see, that's what we should be doing in our county. That's what you should be doing in your county is we should be going all to private schools. And we don't then... When, you know, they had a meeting just recently down at the school board, and, and principals and teachers were talking about not complying to the mandates and the vaccine mandates that they're trying to force on them. And they're threatened with being fired and actually losing their license to teach, which you don't need in a home school association. And you don't need in many private schools in some states. But they'll be changing those rules too. All the more reason that you have to sit down in the tens hundreds of thousands and gather together because they're going to change the rules and change the rules and change the rules. All the people who voted in these mayors of these cities that were supposedly so woke now find themselves they can't get on a bus unless they take that safe, safe, safe. Uh, and we see how safe it is when we look at the various reports. Uh, and that's just from the guinea, you as guinea pigs. But unless you sit down, that's you're not gonna have the means, you're not gonna have the ability. you're not gonna have the strength to stand against whatever they try next uh, the under under the equalities they have another heading of treatment of identity. Treat everyone the same, everyone the same, but inequality of outcome. Treat everyone according to their identity. Well, they have a new identity now. Vaccinated and unvaccinated. You know, identity politics is leading you towards mass destruction. But socialism has led you towards probably what may end up being one of the greatest genocide events in the history of mankind. Because we don't know where this vaccination thing is going. Like I said, Luke Montagnier, who has all kinds of credentials, an award-winning uh, immunologist, says that within three years, everybody who takes the vaccination will be dead or dying, or wish they were dead. Because of autoimmune problems and chronic problems, Bell Palsy, and quite a few of the people who get Bell Palsy after this vaccination, which is a common event in vaccinations, not I shouldn't say common it's way more common with this present round uh but it is something we've known has been associated with vaccination. They're ending up with bell palsy on both sides of their face the you you look at there was one small town where everybody was getting vaccinated. The number of illnesses are shocking. they have one doctor in this eight hundred nine hundred community populated community and he's seen people are being totally incapacitated people who work every day are now can't get out of bed they can't get out of their house and he reports it and he is shut down by the government what is the story here this is crazy and then one of the last headings under characteristics of this equality thing is economics It supports capitalism, social markets, economy. But under equality of outcome, it resembles communism in its suppression and control of the people. So anyway, the the dilemma which uh, corrodes society is in this equality versus freedom, the America uh, dilemma, he says. Uh, He ends up quoting uh, Tocqueville. Alexis Tocqueville, who talks about the dilemma crash of America. Uh, And and that's also, he's taking that from another article that appeared in the tablet, and that was written by Brian uh, Garston. And we won't have time to go through all these, but I have lots of notes on it. But uh, uh, there were things that were going on In the world, Tocqueville's uh, father, a nobleman from Normandy, had risen to become um, a prefect in Versailles under the Bourbon monarchy, which was the result of what they called the July Revolution back in 1830. And he had just thrown the Bourbons out, uh, in favor of this new constitutional government that was going to be their salvation. Another constitution not written according to the constitutions of the Bible, uh, which has those five precepts, which we talk about in the book Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, which is free online at org and you can find uh, quotes from it at Preparing You and look it up there and we explain all these things. And... And the fortunes of the aristocrat Tocqueville families were falling. They were they were they had less money. And Tocqueville felt uh, kind of politically homeless at the time. And, but he was a civil servant. The young Alexis was a civil servant. Uh, but he was required to take a, a swearing oath of allegiance to this new regime. And he agonized over it. This idea of taking this oath and of course Christ said and James said above all else stop the taking of oaths. But that I don't know if he was depending upon that but he, he had to take it in order to have this civil servant job. And he, like I said he agonized over the decision before reluctantly deciding to swear the oath. But the next day he wrote a letter to Mary Motley who later became his wife and uh He wrote, I have finally taken the oath. My conscience offers no reproach, but I am nevertheless deeply wounded, and I shall count this day among the unhappiest of my life. The thought eats away at me. All my inherited pride rebels. I am at war with myself. This is a new condition, terrifying to me. As I uttered those three words, my voice changed. I felt my heart pounding so hard that I thought my chest would burst. This is the dilemma lots of people are going to be facing in the days ahead. Of course, if you get the shot, your heart may burst. You know what? 5,000 heart attacks reported. As maybe 1% of the actual heart attacks. If any, any vaccine ever showed any similar, just a fraction of the statistics that were getting reported on bears, it would have been shut down in a moment in previous years. That's just the history of it. If you're aware of the history of it, you would know that that would be the case. Here we have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands adverse effects, uh, effects being reported even if it was double the number that normally are being would be reported as far as statistics cuz normally it's like 1% of the actual events it's huge number of adverse effects it's not rare it's huge and it's getting to be evidently getting to be far more than the the damage done by just contracting covid and getting better And there are treatments. There's lots of treatments. I'm finding out more and more about different treatments. And we're sharing them to our ministers. And there are things you can do to avoid being forced to get these vaccinations. And I've had that conversation with the ministers this week. We'll probably converse about it again. I've given them lots of data from lots of doctors that have put together Plans of their own, but now we're putting those plans together based on, you know, the biblical context, and I'm sharing it with the ministers because that's the way it works. Ministers of ministers of ministers, and the elders have the exousia, the right to choose who they support, how they support, when they support, and what they do to support. And I put A lot of the data and information available to the ministers and they can share it with those who sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and they can figure out how best to put this together for the uniquely individual situations you will have with people all over. Meanwhile, I also have insight into what government people are doing. that actually had somebody from the government just whispering to me the other day, you know, what they think is going on behind the scenes. And they're intimating to people, but they don't reveal their hand because the enemy is watching. So, yeah, we're not going to post it on the Internet. I'm not going to tell you exactly what we're talking about on a radio broadcast. It'll go out to everybody because the enemy is listening, too and I just added more in working on Nahum, which we will get to, that they use this word enemy. But the word enemy that appears in the biblical text, it appears in Isaiah as well, uh, but it appears in Nahum. It's, It's the word for enemy, but they add additional letters. Lots of additional letters. And what does it mean? Well, we'll tell you what it means when we study that. But meanwhile, we're looking at this equality versus freedom in this America dilemma, which we are now seeing. The dilemma of getting the shot or not the shot is evidence of this other dilemma that already existed. Tocqueville talks about equality and freedom at war with each other. But then that's why I went through those different kinds of equality. Equality of opportunity and equality of outcome. They're not the same. They're different. And so this is what he's talking about. He was the one who wrote against legal charity. Of course, like I said, John the Baptist was against legal charity way back. You don't Legal charity is charity by force. For, somebody forces you to contribute to the welfare of somebody else. And that lady who said that that would be the end of society and the destruction of society a thousand years ago, which, whose picture is on the front of the Free Church Report, which you know nothing about unless you've read the Free Church Report, because almost nobody tells you the truth about this saintly lady who was Lady Godiva. Who never took off her clothes and rode down the street naked. That was a made up story a hundred years. That was fake news. (laughs) Fake news didn't start with CNN. Fake news has been around for a long time. Just like there's the good news and then there's the fake good news. And I'm, I'm a little blunt with some of these things. But you need to understand what they're talking about. The fundamental challenge that Tocqueville's book poses to American dogma arises from his refusal to assume that equality and freedom are always mutually reinforcing. They are not. And understanding where they are not is a part of understanding why you are in the place you are. And understanding that you, how you got to where you are allows you to reverse, repent, and go back the other way. The, there was an American creed, not the American creed that was passed in 1913 that says, I believe in the United States, as a democracy in a republic, which is actually, that's another whole story we've talked about many times. People saying, well, we're a republic. No, you're a democracy in a republic. You've all left the republic when you signed up with FDR and the other Canaanites of the world. And you became subjects. And you waived a right to a portion of your labor so that you could get benefits for free at the expense of your neighbor. And you abandoned the Ten Commandments and the ways of Christ. But anyway, Tocqueville is writing before that, and he talks about an American creed since the Declaration of Independence, and especially since Lincoln has linked The two values, assuming that these two values of equality and freedom, increase in one naturally accompanies an increase in the other. No, it doesn't. Especially when you redefined equality to include equality of outcome. Freedom was not like equality a natural expanding feature of society. Freedom is not a naturally expanding feature of society. It's a naturally expanding feature of the individual. And we must never forget that the individual composes society. An individual has an individual identity, not based upon a collective identity. nor was it a necessary consequence of equality of condition. Because there is no real equality of condition. Because condition is subject to time, and time changes constantly. The the danger of a democratic life, according to the thoughts of Tocqueville, was that the passion for equality would lead us to stop practicing the art of freedom. And freedom is an art. Freedom requires that you allow your neighbor to be free. If you want freedom of choice, you have to grant to your neighbor the right to choose, and you can do nothing to take his right to choose away. The right to choose to be vaccinated or unvaccinated is a controversy because you have already taken away the right of your neighbor to choose to contribute to your child's education or not, or to your welfare or not, or to your social security or not. You've taken away that right. You have said that it is okay to covet my neighbor's goods as long as I do it through government. And you have ushered in despotism. Long before COVID. And if you're going to repent, that is what you need to repent of. To see how equality works as a, as a passion, we have to notice the fundamental effects of looking at any actual social world with the ideal of equality in the mind. As society becomes more equal, the pressure for yet more equality does not subside, but instead grows stronger. These ideas that socialism works works ap- amongst successful societies that have grown to that success based on capitalism. Now there are there are problems with capitalism, because capitalism is not. A system of society. Capitalism means you make it, it's yours. You produce it, it's yours. You fix it, it's yours. Whatever you know to whatever extent you you fix something that belongs to somebody else, and he comes to pick it up, you know, like Biden's laptop, which he didn't come and pick up. It becomes yours. If you fail to come and pick it up, I mean, it not becomes yours, it becomes the, the repairman. If you fail to come and pick it up and pay for the work he has now invested, his sweat is now circulating to that circuit board. And you can't have the circuit board unless you pay for his sweat, unless you buy his sweat that is now in that circuit board operate. you don't come and pay for it he gets to confiscate it becomes his and he can copy the hard drive and share it with other people who immediately start to suppress it (laughs) so anyway but uh, (coughs) this uh, democratic influence the society more equal, the pressure for yet more equality does not subside. Just the same as you give power to government, its desire for power will grow. You, With the Constitution, you created offices of power. With the contracts you made with the institution that you created, you gave it more power. And the more power you give it, the more power it wants. If you create offices of service, men of service will seek those offices. But if you create offices of power, men who seek power will seek those offices. And they will not find enough power. So, Tocqueville writes, democratic institutions awaken and flatter the passion for equality without ever being able to satisfy it entirely. Every day, this complete equality eludes the hands of the people at the moment when they believe they have seized it. And it flees. As Pascal said in an eternal flight, the people become heated in the search for this good. All the more precious as it is near enough to be known, far enough not to be tasted. It embitters us. But we'll have to talk more about this in the afternoon program. But until then, join us on the network. Come to the Burning Bush Festival in the first part of September. Uh, become a part of seeking that kingdom and his righteousness. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.